your papers. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, let's start with um, a simple one. Can you say a little bit about um, um, how the experience of making film, making this film was for you? Um, there's so many experiences. What, what, what kind of... Mm. Maybe um, something that, that, that you remember the most? I mean, probably Olivet and Charlie, honestly. I was supposed to go see Olivet last night, um, but she didn't want me to drive from UCLA, yeah. so I was tired, you know? Because <laughs> where she lives in Moreno Valley, it kind of makes sense to then come to UC Riverside and then go to the airport. But she just had a heart attack, so oh, that kind of, yeah, she's recovering. So, I mean, just oh. like our people's stories, the boat people's stories, it's like just that generation of people's story. I'm, we're getting old. I'm old. So you can imagine, like, you know, my parents' generation and Olivet, who's a little bit older, she looks healthy and stuff, but she's in her 70s, wow. dying off, you know. So, yeah. you know, that can be a motivation for making documentaries to preserve a story. And mm -hmm. I think that story was presented to me because I asked how Asian nail salons got to the black neighborhood. I asked the question, and I got the best answer ever. Yeah, we saw in the film that, that it, it just started in a black neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Like South um, LA. Yeah. yeah. It was right by the Hollywood racetrack. Is it, is it is the Hollywood racetrack? Is it still horses or is it gambling? Anyways, I passed by it now and then. Anyone familiar with um, South LA? Maybe? South LA? No? no. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. But I mean, that kind of shows you. Well, I learned a little bit more because we did a Q&A with Charlie. She came mm. to the. Um, Orange County Library screening, mm -hmm. and so I learned even more details <laughs> about the story all these years later, oh. you know, because I thought she was actually living there, and I think the price was just right, and they're like, we have to get this out of Olivet's garage and into, you know, kind of what Nipsey Hussle was doing with uh, uh, the marathon, like mm -hmm. get a little corner spot right there in, mm -hmm. a, in a strip mall. Those things existed then, mm -hmm. and um, it just took off. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You guys, any have any questions? Yeah. Um, what was the process of like you finding all of the different people to interview in the documentary? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is a question I get in all the Q and A's because it's so many people, and um, you know, documentaries about your relationship. So my relationship with Kelvin was strong enough that we trusted each other, and he also wanted to make a documentary about the Vietnamese nail salon industry and had been documenting in his own way. Mm -hmm. um, so he just opened up the contacts for me and gave me too many ideas because, I mean, it's just so complex. It was hard to bring it to an end because it's, it's not, it hasn't ended yet, right? Um, so it's more of a call to action, I suppose. That's the end. Um, and access to them is because they trusted him that they trusted me. He's been in the nail industry now going on 30 years, 25 years, you know, and you see like how likable he is. I mean, he's different from other um, gener 1.5 generation people, you know, like, um, I don't know. He's just funny. He gets along with everyone, clearly, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Vietnamese to him. He will <laughs> become your friend. Yeah. My friends that have met him, I mean, he leaves quite an impression because <laughs> they don't expect an Asian man to act like that. But I do. Like, I... Me and him are like the same in a way. Mm -hmm. So that surprised me the most about making the film because 
I didn't expect to find someone like him. I thought I would just find Vietnamese women inside the salon, mm -hmm. and I've come to learn it's 30% men that 30%. do it. Uh huh. Wow. So, and Calvin's one of them. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. He's great. <laughs> He's good. Him. He's in Gardena right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is a. Uh, we didn't get to do one for this screening, so you got to bring me back. Uh, but we've been doing pop-up salons at the screenings, and Jellish Morgan Taylor has been sponsoring them, you know, and sponsoring an educator to come and, like, do, you know, free nails, but then also having a conversation about the film, you know, with me and Kelvin. I know. I don't I mean, I, w I need help. I need an intern, and I'll give you free nail polish for life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, you're too busy. You're too busy. No. Okay. Um, by the way, um, I realized that um, some of you came in late, um, and you missed out the, the introduction. So maybe I just do okay, give just sure. five minutes or so, just like um, introduce you guys to Adele um, here. Um, okay. Um, director, producer Adele Free Farm is an activist and filmmaker with experience in all aspects of documentary production. Her feature documentary nailed it which is what earlier, about the genesis and culture of the Vietnamese nail industry had its broadcast premiere on PBS in May 2019, and is the highest stream film of the America Reframe series. Her next feature, State of Oregon, uses the 2016 murder of Lanier Bruce Jr. by a white supremacist as a narrative touchstone to expose Oregon's founding as a separatist white homeland state and 150 years of racial exclusion and violence that continues today. A short film by the same title was released by Field of Vision in 2017 and has 187,000 views on social media. Okay, so um, let's continue the Q&A. Uh, do you have a question? Okay, yeah. so what makes you, so I have a question about how is the nail industry, so like how do you, I'm sorry. Okay. Why do you think it's interesting for you to like film it? Like, what makes it so interesting for you? For me, it was just always a thing. Like, why do so many Vietnamese people do this? You know, even as I was like, no, Dad, I'm not going to go to Tacoma and and work and you know, our cousins' nail salons. I'm going to go do my own thing. I still wondered, like, why? Why is that a thing that you jump into when you get here? Because they came in the '90s. It was after Clinton or during Clinton they came. Um, so, yeah, I'm just curious. And then I don't like the way they malign the nail salons in the media, honestly. You know, like, I know that they're Vietnamese. They just think of us as Chinese. Like, Americans can't tell the damn difference. Maybe here it's different, mm -hmm. but out there, you know. Um, so I saw that, you know. And I, um, of course, broach anti-blackness in our community, and I talk about it. But I see the other side, too, of nail techs being abused on the job, you know, like, just this expectation that you're their slave or something, you know. Mm -hmm. So the nail salon can really be theater like that, but sometimes it's bad theater. And one time I tried to involve myself and I got shot, uh, shouted down, you know what I'm saying? Because I was filming at Solida Salon and one of her customers just was going nuts that she was on camera without her permission. You know, I wasn't even filming her. And I tried to like stand up for her and what they said to me is like, no, when that starts happening, we just keep quiet you know, make sure we get our money and on to the next, you know, just get them out the door. So that's like daily, 
at that particular salon. And I think people would misjudge her salon as just like, you know, chop shop, da da da. But she can do some fly ass nails, and you know, she's a staple of that corner, right? So all that stuff is important, especially in the face of gentrification. Yeah, I have so many thoughts about that. You know, that's like another sort of lecture, right? Because, um, you know, I'm a minority within a minority and I'm not full Asian either. And people are cutthroat. So that's kind of what I've learned, unfortunately. But you just find your people who are kind of coming up at the same time. You reach out to people and talk to them. And that's been how I've been able to find camaraderie. And it's just a long game, you know? Asians, we got to fund our own stuff. No one's going to do that for us. And it's not all crazy rich Asians, you know. There's a multitude of stories out there. And, um, you know, I'm so touched that so many people came out, you know, to, that shows that we have an interest in survival stories, working class stories about our people and where we come from. Because Asian American, our, our history is forged in blood from the first Chinese that worked on the railroad and did the gold mining and they set their towns on fire and that's why we have Chinatown that you get to come enjoy now. So everything is very political to me. And the nail salon is kind of the extension of the dragon lady, you know, trying to rip you off. And I knew it was more complex than that. And then when I started digging and all these amazing characters were presented to me, I knew that I had a really good documentary on my hand, you know. Um, but it doesn't mean that it got funded, especially right away. You'll see at the end, you saw like four funders and two of them, one of them was pretty big, but it was a grind because I'm not telling that classic victim story about Asian people. And it's like, I have to double explain what I'm trying to do here, even though they say they want to hear from minority voices and from um, you know, POC women voices. But, you know, I'm kind of like the first in a way, but I feel like your generation more inspired than them than my generation. I see that like fire to just change things, you know, and not necessarily ah change the, the system, but like this system doesn't work for us, you know. Um, and if you're comfortable right now, you shouldn't be, you know. There's plenty of abject homelessness for you to be concerned about. It's easy to just drive by, but you know, that's that, you know. Besides identity, there's just like struggles going on right now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, so would you um, be making another documentary, maybe about this one, another state, or would you want to focus on the homeless industry? Like, um... oh, well, um, you know, the donut shop story is really interesting. AJ Plus did a piece on that. I think they got the idea from me. But it's, that's the same kind of phenomenon as the nail industry. There was one guy that was a Cambodian refugee who came over that learned the donut game and shared it with all the people. And now you have a Cambodian donut industry. So yeah, and I am working on other projects with nails right now. I might be for the rest of my life. I get this question too, a lot. Um, I just, social media gave the nail industry another bump right? Um, kind of an explosion of people wanting to try and nail art and do nail art. So I wanted a way to kind of like 
take us out of this historical story into a phone frame without it all being looking at like Instagram, Instagram um, screen grabs. And nails is so fun, you know? I was like, I want to do something that's, that's different, but really complements the story and strings the different pieces together. So in my, in my head for a long time, I didn't have the funding. Um, and the funders told me, don't even do animation. It's going to be too expensive. You, you're just not even going to get it done. And so like a lot of indie filmmakers, um, I just enlisted my friend Debbie Allen, who's an illustrator. She did the illustrations. Um, paid her a little bit when I could, but <laughs> it was slow. And then we animated them in After Effects. And I was even animating at the end, OK? Because I had to get it to festival and just have it be done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like an American thing that booklet is what you receive when you go to a lot of funerals, you know, um, what a sunrise, sunset. So I was kind of hoping you would see by him grabbing the booklet that you knew that she had died, you know, and he was reflecting on that. Um, you know, that was to illustrate that they have a 15 plus year relationship and, you know, his clients are dying off. He's not even doing nails right now anymore. He's just focusing on, um, you know, distribution. But, uh, yeah, I mean, life goes by in a flash. And that was to illustrate that, that the relationships that really sustain this industry. What can you say was the most difficult part about uh, maybe producing or editing or even getting this on air? Right. Um, you know, uh, I could say money. A lot of people say, eh, I don't have the money. Um, uh, direction in a sense because the story's so big it's not like I was just like following Kelvin I'm trying to tell this whole big post 1975 story right um, and my voiceover came from writing out the story as I recalled it you know day one to I started writing voiceover like midway through right so I knew that my story was involved in it and as I was shooting I just felt myself getting closer and closer to Vietnamese culture, you know, so that's making me think of my dad. That's why I go back home. Um, and money, that was a struggle too. So I always tell young filmmakers, um, really write a lot about what your idea is, who the characters are, try to get access to them. And while you're working on it, then write like the script. And it's a documentary, so it could veer that away. But, you know, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I really didn't feel successful until last night, you know, when, um, <laughs> but see, but you guys are part of that because it's such a big crowd, really, because um, crowd size can be crazy different. You guys are blowing UCI away in many ways. Okay. It's another conversation. Um, but it was just so many Asian American people, young people, women and men who came out to, to see it. And that really touched me because you know, it was just like the faculty felt um, excited about the film, encouraged their students to come. Yes, extra credit, da-da-da. But they did that at UCI, and nobody came. They just went off to play. And, you know, it was just like crowd. If you, so follow me on Instagram. Who's on Instagram? Y'all, everyone. Okay, um, nailed it, Doc. Nailed it, D-O-C. So you can see the video can, can on you, there. Can you write yeah, yeah. Oh, whiteboard. Yeah. School. <laughs>
sorts of challenges to being a documentary filmmaker. I mean, it's like a gentleman hobby. It comes from rich white people having time to think about other people. And it's like, as working class people of color, you're just gonna encounter struggles. So it's good to, not just network to you know meet somebody, but to find your community and kind of like where you can fit so you can find people that can crew for you. But now the access, the entrance is so cheap, you know, to get a 4K documentary film. You can still talk. Yeah, I mean, there's Chris Rock's Good Hairs doing something kind of similar. Um, there's been other documentaries about the Vietnamese nail salon industry, uh, but focused on Tippi Hedren. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of doing something new with this, right? I guess Ross McElwee films, um, who else? Alan Berliner, um, Grace Lee, uh, Journey films, road trip films, yeah. Harold and Kumar, I don't know. I thought it was going to be like that <laughs> when I first <laughs> met Kelvin. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Would you like to continue making documentaries or do you want to venture on uh, to other films as well? I'm already venturing on. So, you know, I have a Sundance application in for a virtual reality nail salon. I'm writing a narrative. I mean, for me, like, the nail salon is fertile ground. We get to talk about everything through it, in it. Um, you know, I like Claws. I know the uh, nail artist on the show, and Niecy Nash has worn the Nailed It shirt. But it doesn't explore the complexities of the relationships between the women inside the salon. It's like all the action is kind of happening outside. To, there's so much action inside the salon, you don't even know. So developing those two things. Um, I mean, I think I kind of had documentary brain, like books. I only really like to read nonfiction. Um, I love documentaries, even like really bad reality TV, for sure. Um, but I love narrative, too. Yeah. Can let me have my question? Yeah, of course. OK. Um, can you talk a little bit about like um, some of the storylines or aspects that didn't make it into uh, the cut, but yeah. you are excited to, to talk about? Yeah. Um, actually, I have to make an 84-minute cut for the airlines for distribution, but it's it's fine because I have scenes that we had to cut to make mm -hmm. this an hour long. It's so much information. So yeah. there was one part where I did an interview with Joseph Gao, the first Vietnamese congressman from New Orleans oh. uh, in Baton Rouge. He, was, he moved to private practice again, and mm -hmm. he was representing nail salon owners in Baton Rouge for discrimination against the State Board of Cosmetology because oh. they were targeting them because they were Vietnamese and didn't speak the language. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't know what's happening with that case. I think a lot of the nail salons dropped out because they just didn't want to be on blast like that in a mm -hmm. way. It's still the South. I mean, people think about retaliation and all that stuff, you know. And um, it was just too bad because that's what you need to do class action lawsuits in order to make any kind of changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it can't be about 
a profit. It just has to be like we're in this together because we don't want to defend this industry and we know that we're being unfairly targeted because of our race. Yeah, that the, the state barbering in Louisiana ha gets no budget from the state. Louisiana is totally corrupt. <laughs> um, they have to make their budget by the, the fines that they write to the salons. So what? it's a total conflict of interest. It's like the prison for profit system. It's like, okay, and that's just the sort of shady stuff that happens in a lot of these red states, in all states, mm -hmm. but yeah. Mm -hmm. And nobody cares because nobody speaks up for the Vietnamese people. We're just like, you know, they just like talk about us all the time, but they don't, they don't wonder about us. <laughs> like where we came from. Oh. Yeah, so all, you know, all these things kind of matter when we're in this era of mass deportations and, you know, it's time to kind of align our story with other immigrants in America. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's important. That's important, yeah. you know, especially to remind people in this area of California that that's important because yeah. it's easy to get comfortable. But mm. what, what's the price of your comfort? Yeah. Was that worth your parents coming all the way over here on a boat? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you have any fears on how the film would be not everybody liked it. I mean, we're in this era of wokeness, right? And I include Angela Johnson. And I think that turned some people off immediately. And I realized I have a different relationship with her comedy because when that video went viral, like I was already out of grad school and campaigning for Obama. It was the first time I saw it, right? Like you guys may have been taunted like that because that's the voice of the nail salon. And you know, she does a good job at it. So it was interesting just the different attitudes that I encountered during shooting and then also how it's received by college audiences who are, sometimes do not like her, you know? And I like them letting me know and that becoming a conversation, right? About stereotypes. Oh my God, yeah. Like I just rattled off homelessness, for example, in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, my focus right now is the hate crime documentary in Oregon. If you Google State of Oregon and my name, Adele Pham, it'll come up. So it's a 10 minute film and I'm expanding it into a feature length film that contextualizes hate crimes that have happened throughout time with these exclusion laws that the state of Oregon was founded by you know, that turns into sundown towns where non-white black people and non-white people can be shot and killed um, with, you know, uh, and uh, redlining. And then now we're facing gentrification, right? And what does redlining become? It becomes like total displacement. So all these things are connected. It's not like these things just started happening when Trump was elected. Um, but that's also part of it. Now Portland has like Proud Boys that just like, are on the street like gutter punk kids. It's like, are you serious? They're the snowflakes. They are the snowflakes, oh my God. But it's just sad because it's such a white place that they actually get away with doing that. Like what if that happened on this campus today? Like I'm sure, you, I hope that you guys would kick them the hell off the campus if they tried to come do that, you know, at the gate or whatever. I hope so. they, but wouldn't mess with y'all because like there's a few white people. But because it's designed as a white state, it's, it's a, like a beacon. And it was a beacon for this kind of activity in the 80s and 90s with the neo-Nazis. 
which also comes from California. So all the bad habits come from California, actually. <laughs> I must say. And just the era, of course, colonization, which Vietnamese people know a lot about. Oh, my God. But did they say they really talked about that? Or they really raised their voice? It's a different story, right? What? Being a lot of uh, the Vietnamese, mm. just like you mentioned earlier, mm. they talk a lot, they know a lot, mm. but they don't stand up. Yeah, they don't stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's that about? So, yeah, why, I mean, what is that about? You know more than me. Mm. What, do, what do you think that's about? Like, why wouldn't you? Our nature is to be kind of stubborn, so why? I mean, we kicked out the Chinese. We kicked out the French. Mm -hmm. The communists kicked out the Americans. We're mm -hmm. not like wallflowers over here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, the Vietnamese I'm attracted to are loud. Mm. So I kind of don't get it. Like, I don't vibe with the Vietnamese in OC. Sorry. No offense. Because, <laughs> like, I don't understand you. Like, I just don't get it. I like Ao Yai and everything, but, yeah. like, you know, I like red carpet. I like casinos, but it's oh. about more than that. It's about more than that. Mm. You guys have an answer for that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that could be the, the next topic of my research. Casinos, yeah. yeah. I, we could talk about that. Because I've also thought about doing a casino documentary. Oh. I know um, Native American filmmakers who are making a documentary now about mm -hmm. casinos, and they have access because they're Indian. Yes. Yeah. So you can't just go in a casino and start filming people. Like, uh, <laughs> But you can sure look for the Vietnamese people. You sure can. <laughs> So I just went to Harris. Uh, okay. SoCal for the Vimo Awards. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyways. Oh. You did? Yeah, yeah. Oh really? Stayed there. Yeah. Oh, stayed there. Well, yeah, I like think... casinos. I don't gamble though, but oh. they're interesting to me. Okay. Next time, text me when you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go hang out while you gamble. Yeah. <laughs> you guys wanna hang out with us? Come I mean, you can't us. even put your money in. You have to go get the card. I'm like, that's another. You know, that's a warning not to put your money on the card. Uh, <laughs> I think you can stay at the slot machine. Which is <sighs> I mean, I like to film that. That's what I was okay. doing, being a okay. weirdo. I, I can sit there so you can film me. <laughs> and I went in the pool, the Lazy okay. River pool. It was ah, nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I like, the, I like the casino amenities, just so not the spending my money. It's going to be your next project, film project? No, but I think it's, it's an issue that a lot of young people want to explore because our people mm. love to gamble and a lot of people take it way too damn far and mm. they spend money that wasn't theirs. A lot of times they're women's money. But there's also a lot of women that have, Vietnamese women that have gambling issue, of course. So I'm interested in where that comes from because Asian people like to gamble. So what is that? Is it just part of us? I don't know. We got many um, Asian people here. Yeah, get t you guys tell me. No, but sometimes they are rooted in a kernel of truth. Yeah, because yeah. I'm Vietnamese myself, and like it seems like, you know, when people ask like, "What ethnicity are you?" It doesn't seem like Vietnamese is like a big topic. Because we're Southeast Asian, we may think that we're better than Cambodian people, which I refute. But you know, we're not white. We're not East Asian. We're still Southeast Asian, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why people need to stop being so quiet and caring about what people think of you, because it's already messed up in their head. What advice can you give for um, people who want to maybe adventure or uh, give it a shot of documenting such mm -hmm. a very specific topic but very risky, very controversial? Hmm. 
research. Um, I mean, go to the Field of Vision site, maybe. They're kind of like the best sort of investigative journalism outlet with whistleblowers and stuff. And you can read about kind of like, uh, go to the Double Exposure Festival page. I mean, there's resources there, so you know how to protect yourself. Like, let's say I go really deep on this white supremacist angle, right? I don't want them to know where I am. I don't want them to know I have a kid. And that's the sort of stuff that people find out when they dox you. And if you're doing really important work, you're probably in that kind of danger if you're really telling the story that needs to be told, like some human trafficking story or some real human trafficking story. Mm -hmm. They might like kill you. So you need to realize, understand what the risk is if you're doing something like that. And take journalism classes too, because I think that kind of gives you a structure in a way for, you know, because I don't want like a film that's just based on conjecture and emotion. Like I want to research it. I want to know what I'm talking about. I want to be talking to the right people. So I'm not like further objectifying my characters. You don't? I mean, not really. I feel like a lot of like movies, especially, are more like based on true stories, but they're still fictionalized. I guess I feel kind of the opposite. Like the series stuff, like Wild Wild Country, and like the Roy. Con I mean, again, that's the kind of media I watch. Like I would rather watch a documentary on TV than a narrative. Um, I think there's higher standards. Like you can't just be some ethnocentric person coming through the hood now, white guy, like trying to tell a particular story of a particular group that you have never lived around. I feel like that's kind of like being explored right now, um, supporting filmmakers or encouraging filmmakers to tell their own community stories. And this film is an example of that kind of shift. And I've seen that shift in my career because I've actually been doing it over 10 years. So when I went to film school, they're like, you can't put your voice in there. It has to be objective. But once you turn the camera on something, it's, it's subjective, you know. But you do have an obligation to do the research. And because we're so cash-strapped, sometimes that doesn't happen. And that's dangerous, I think. Yeah. So we're going to the casino now? <laughs> What do you guys think? <laughs> What's, where's the closest one? Is the one on Riverside? <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> Maybe that's the topic that they really want to watch for your next documentary. For my next documentary? <laughs> well, the hate crimes one. You know, please look it up. You know, follow me on social. Um, that's where I'm most active, but that's my handle for everything. Mm. Oh, I could put my email address up too. Oh, yeah. I live in New York. So if you're out there, you know, you want to get a cup of coffee, mm. do that. We have room for maybe one or two more questions? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I moved there for a reason. Uh, it's different because it's... They build up, not out. So California, I don't have a car. I don't drive. Um, I take Uber pool. I don't like the subway. I do um, city bike, kind of like those rental bikes y'all have around here. 
and I live in the Lower East Side, so I can step outside my door and, and walk outside, and it kind of feels like this a little bit. I live around a lot of China, I live close to Chinatown, but it's a mix of Puerto Rican, Dominican, all kinds of people, you know? Um, so I know why I live there. I know why I left Portland. What else? It's just always something to do. The gentrification's wild, so I was definitely a part of that wave as well. I guess there's like there a significant difference between like the Asian American communities here in California versus. Yes. You, you guys know who you are. I don't know how to explain that um, <laughs> without being offensive. Hmm. Especially the Vietnamese community. I'll just tell you that much. Like, there's just not a lot of them in New York City. We all kind of know each other. But the ones where we're super progressive out there, so there's no like Republican Trump chat. You know, it's all we're all progressive, but sometimes we don't take ownership of our parents' politics, right? Um, but they're disconnected. From, there's no good pho. There's no good. There's no good bun me. There's only one good bun me place. It's like one kiosk. And I hear a lot. The Vietnamese people left after 9/11. You know, so a lot of the nail salons there in Brooklyn were sold from Vietnamese to Chinese people. And historically, Koreans have run the Asian nail business in Manhattan. And then when you get to the Bronx, it's Vietnamese again and Cambodian, which you see in the film. Mm. One more? One more, okay. Better make it good, last one. (laughs) I know. I know we need well that's that's on you guys that's on you guys okay to push the the UC system to fund it but yeah um and we get right but it take it takes you guys right they're taking your money is there any transparency about where your money goes no Mm -hmm. Um, but we'd love to do one and we're in the right area for it we could totally do it Jealous would sponsor it. Nothing's in here. My underwear is in there. Oh, no. I know. Well, we need more time. Yeah, next time, you know. But Mm -hmm. we got to make it next time, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I have DVDs for sale. No one watches DVDs anymore, though, right? No, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Yeah, so we got to do that. I'm trying to think. I mean, I need to put a deck together about what that looks like. Um, You might see it on my website. I gotta put something together because we've done it like five times at different film festivals and it's been great to fill up the theater, you know, but also get people buzzing about what is actually going on. So you know how you came out here, it's hard to find, right? Like you cannot miss a whole nail salon. And when we did it in New Orleans, we had five nail techs and the celebrity uh, nail tech from Claws and Kelvin bouncing Mm. around there, you know? And the local um, Vietnamese nail supply gave us a good discount, you know. So it was like family affair for that thing, you know. I felt really honored. So, yeah. Um, I have a question. If um, if I don't use DVD, can I purchase this Thank you. On? Let me put my website on here. Okay. It's on Vimeo On Demand. So it'll be on PBS again. I'm just not sure exactly when. But right now you can stream it for $4.99 on Vimeo, on demand. Oh. So if you go to my um, website, you'll link right to it, which is nailitdoc.com. And you can also find my contact information there, too. Oh, so I can see. Yeah. Yeah, share it with people, for sure. Um, 
because you know a lot of people your parents generation they're, they're not going to probably go to the festival or come to a UC screening right so but they can watch it from watch anywhere it. right I even have it subtitled in Vietnamese but not on Vimeo yet yeah. Um, so yeah and I'm looking for collaborations if you have a nail salon in the family and you would like to do a nail salon screening of the film with Vietnamese subtitles you know Oh. Yeah. Why don't you do it at Advanced Beauty College? It's a long story, sister. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, by the way, um, as part of my research, I am uh, I enroll in <gasps> a manicuring program. Oh, see, she's the business. You know, um, she's not just gonna be that person, that weirdo outside looking no. in. See. And that's the exact same school that feature in the film. Stop, ABC. It started as Tom's Beauty College, now it's Advanced Beauty College, yeah. short form ABC. That's the largest beauty college, I think, properly. Did they give you a discount? No. Oh. That's unfair. <laughs> I think it's probably the largest one in the... I think it's unfair. I think it's a little unfair. Yeah. In the entire United States, Yeah, right? I think so. And it's yeah. still predominantly Vietnamese, but you see some Latino women filtering yeah. in there. It's interesting. It's a, yeah. They have two. They have Laguna Heights and Garden Grove, right? Yeah, but yeah. I go to the main campus on the, yeah. uh, that's what we Garden found. Grove. You know yeah, what we found I saw that. Okay, so I you're like, like, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> and, and you can believe me, uh, when you enter the room, is like four times, five times bigger no, no, than no, this no. one. Everybody's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And that's like, great that you're doing that, though. Yeah. That's a great part of the research because you're gonna hear the news stories about people who came from Vietnam more recently. Yeah. You'll see like if there's still a flood or if it's yeah. more of a trickle. Mm -hmm. So much because that's the ne you're the sequel. You know, like mm -hmm. that's the next thing yeah. that we need to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm so glad we got to meet. You know. I think our stars really we aligned need to, work on our to do something really interesting and <laughs> yeah. something that is useful to the yeah. community, right? Of course. Yeah. We're going to talk right after yeah. this. <laughs> 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 All right, so because we are running out of time, so thank you so much, Adele, for being here. And uh, for your information, besides um, you can uh, stream it from the website, um, one copy of this also available in our library, Rivera Libraries, for yeah. you guys so to check out. You can tell out. your professors, mm -hmm. you know, it could be economics, it could be gender studies, it could be a lot of different, you saw the film, you know like what it could apply to. And then I'll come back with a pop-up salon, okay? If you need ah, to work, and I'll come back with nail polish for everyone. Okay.